Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Moses knew that he was called of God to lead his people out of the bondage of Egypt and into great victory and promise. So he began to step out in that mission, yet without wisdom given through time spent seeking, speaking with, and being taught and instructed by God on how to achieve it. He took matters into his own hands and did what he thought was best in the moment and ended up killing a man and misrepresenting God's character and purpose. Yes, the Egyptian was wrong. He was beating a Hebrew slave. Moses knew that his mission was to deliver them, but he tried to do it in his own strength and understanding and ended up with blood on his hands for it. God could not have this, so was he chased out of what seemed like position, out to the backside of a wilderness to learn in humbleness of how God was going to do this. After all, God was called upon to bring deliverance, and he responded, Yet is God no respecter of persons, and many Egyptians grew to believe in the God of Abraham through what he did in the sight of them, so that many converted and left Egypt with Moses in the Exodus. So who is to say that the Egyptian that Moses killed that day would not have been one of them? Because you see, God was seeking freedom for anyone who would receive it. Yet was Moses still immature at this point spiritually? He was impatient, puffed up, and arrogant. He assumed that he knew what to do, but really he was frustrating God's plan and purposes by bringing more strife and contention between those that God desired to later make into one family in his kingdom. So what did God do? He ran Moses off from the very place that he knew he was called to change. He had learned from pharaohs and kings all the wrong things. Now would God take him to the backside of a wilderness to learn from a true shepherd how to tend to a flock and a congregation in a wilderness. He would learn in lowliness, in meekness, and in much wantonness compared to where he had been in past seasons. He would learn who God really is and how different he is from Egypt and all that it teaches. He would learn how to lead people into deliverance through humility, through sacrifice, through service, through feeding and leading and speaking and being among the sheep 
of his father-in-law's pasture. In Egypt, he had killed a man. In the wilderness, his first act was to defend defenseless women and then to tend to sheep after them. This place was a place of stripping, of teaching, and most of all, of humbling, so that when he came out of it, God would say of him that he was the meekest man in all the earth. Such a transition was no doubt a difficult one, yet was it a necessary one in order for God to accomplish his mission. Moses's promise might have seemed like it died for a season, but it was only so that God's promise could come alive in him. He was being prepared for more than he could understand or imagine. He would be sent back into Egypt in the proper season, once that he himself was seasoned, in order to face Pharaoh in a way that would be opposite in demonstration to all that Pharaoh was and represented. Humility in the face of pride sacrifice in the face of excess, lowliness in the face of extravagance, faith in the face of prowess, truth in the face of counterfeits, power in the face of weakness, the God of Moses in the face of the gods of Egypt. He would not be able to do this with the things that he was taught in Egypt. He would have to do it with the things that he was taught in the wilderness. He would have to have the faith to trust God to do this a different way than what made sense to one who was brought up in Egypt in order to call men out of it. The young Moses would have simply overtaken Egypt like the zealots wanted to do in the time of Jesus. But the mature and humbled Moses knew that all who would trust God had to be completely removed from Egypt and that only God knew how to do it. He had learned by being a shepherd how to follow the good shepherd and that if others chose to follow him as he did, then they would all be delivered from the bondages of Egypt and the cruel master of it. So my friend, if you have a call on your life, don't become impatient or arrogant in how you are to accomplish it. Simply seek to follow after God, even if he leads you into a wilderness to serve in the lowly until he sees fit to elevate once you have been sufficiently separated from Egypt. He doesn't want you to end up leading a new Egypt, building little pyramids in new territories. He wants you to do a new thing, to build tabernacles that he himself can dwell in. And that requires sacrifice, obedience, faith, a total separation from the things of Egypt, things that you don't even see yet things that he will show you in the lowliness, in the backside of your wilderness. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 tells us this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added unto you. Don't seek to do it in the flesh or you'll end up being set back like the Israelites in the wilderness or even faithful Abraham when he tried to take matters into his own hands did it only slow down the process. God was preparing them to walk in greatness and until they were ready, he wasn't going to release it. So when they tried to make it happen, all they did was step into the snares of the enemy, James chapter 1 verse 4 tells us this, Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. You've got to come to that place where you are so fully persuaded that God will accomplish it, that you no longer walk in impatience, but are willing to wait for him to perform it. Now, that's not unbelief that says, I'm just going to go about my life as though this promise was never given. No, you must continue to pursue it, to believe in it, to allow him to prepare you to fully walk in it, in the greatness that he has ordained and in the proper season and in the proper way. But it's having the maturity to say, God, I can't do this with the things that I think that I know. I've got to come to you daily and allow you to sow and to grow and to bring the increase and to resurrect those promises and stir up those gifts that you have placed within me by the power of your Holy Spirit and the limitlessness of your wisdom and grace unto me. Lord, we remember all of the great things that you have done in the past to and through those who believed, but yet you did have to take them through many seasons of strippings and humbling so that they would stop trying to take the lead and would allow you to lead. Let us pick up our cross daily and follow after you, Jesus. Let us walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Let us desire to submit and humble unto you knowing that you give more grace to the humble and that your grace is sufficient to do all that you have promised to. In, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, we read this, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, in other words, when he was finally matured, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming that the reproach of Christ was of far greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. The reproaches of Christ being despised and rejected by the world and by the masses. He thought to be of far greater riches than all of the treasures of Egypt. Understand that Moses had the opportunity to be the leader of the known world at that time, to have all of the gold and the treasure, the money, the monetary things, the physical means, the big stages, the crowds, 
the attention and accolades of men, but it says that he esteemed the reproach of Christ of far greater riches, that he knew that there were heavenly rewards that were far more grand, that were eternal, that were permanent. Lord, we don't desire the applause of men because they are fleeting and ever-changing. We don't desire mammon or money or physical riches because in the end they will burn up and we can take none of it with us. We desire to be pleasing to our king and to see souls brought into the kingdom, to see your purposes manifested both in the earth and in the hearts, souls, and lives of men and women, to see children brought up in the fear and admonition of the Lord with faith in their hearts and understanding in their spirit, to see them placed and positioned in their purposes for the works of future generations. Lord, we can't even begin to understand how to bring men to deliverance because only you can see the end from the beginning, just like in the time of Moses. Let us not be immature or impatient. Let us not destroy that which you came to seek and to save. Give us a heart for the lost, the broken, the confused, the deceived, the lonely, the forgotten, the abused, the marginalized, the trampled on, the lowly, the meek, the lost sheep. Help us to be good shepherds, good servants, good, humble, obedient laborers in your kingdom, prepared to do the work of the harvest, not seeking to be served or adored, not looking for what we can gain through service to our Lord. Let us come humbly before you, Lord, and say, here I am, use me, send me, teach me, lead me, and let us be willing to follow you completely. No desire for greatness, no desire for praises, only a desire to please you and to be your humble servants, the ministers of the Lord. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.